Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along, there'll be no more sobbing when he starts robbing his home. Sweet song, wake up, wake up, you sleepy head, get up, get up, get out of bed, cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red, live, love, love and be happy, what if I be blue, now I'm walking through fields of flowers. They were looking posh, but we were looking sloppy. Welcome to Charlton Live. Good evening to you and welcome to Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. Sunday evening, we're going to look back at yesterday's, uh, unfortunately, a defeat at home to Peterborough United by two goals to new. Uh, I'm your host for this evening, Louis Mendes. Joining me. In the studio here at the Valley, the First Lady, Charlton Athletic, how are you doing, Sue? I'm good, thanks, Louis. Yeah, enjoying the uh, Christmas party going on outside? Yeah, they're getting a bit lively, aren't yeah, they? There's I'm a... not going to tell them to be quiet, <laughs> At some point you may or may not hear some children running around and throwing stuff at the window, but they seem to be having a good time I'm out currently there. Currently playing football. So currently yeah. playing football? Transfer window. Yeah, coming in the team. Right, oh, the <laughs> other voice you can hear there, Tom Wayne, how are you doing, Tom? Looking, <laughs> looking resplendent in your Sorry. Christmas jumper. I came out, I forgot I was wearing it, and then it was too late to go home and change, <laughs> never mind. Never mind, I think it adds to the festive cheer here on, on Charlton Live. So on tonight... Uh, on tonight's show, of course, we're going to look back at yesterday's uh, pretty frustrating day against Peterborough United here, a 2-0 uh, defeat we, we lost. And we're going to hear from uh, exclusively from Carl Robertson, the Addicts manager. We're also going to hear from Andrew Crofts, the midfielder. Uh, some quotes from Ronan have popped up on some sort of Belgian TV or something or other today, so we're going to try and decipher those. I'm still getting the details in from those as the uh, as the children outside start to raise their voices just uh, just as the show starts um, uh, so we're going to we'll talk about those quotes uh, talk about the transfer windows coming up uh, also Christmas is coming up this isn't our last show before Christmas because we're back on Thursday but so uh, because it's our last Sunday show before Christmas we want to know we did this feature last year as well I want to see if anything's changed what you guys want uh, Santa Claus Jensen 
to uh, to give you from his bulging sacks. So Santa Claus is uh, is going to be coming down your chimney on Christmas Eve. So what can uh, what can he give you? A Charlton related uh, Christmas gift that you want from our, our good friend Santa Claus. And of course, uh, before before the end of the show, there's the small matter of the South London derby that we're going to lose on <laughs> Wednesday that we need to uh, to look forward to. So uh, so we'll do that as well. But right, first things first. I think uh, listen back to the highlights of uh, of yesterday's game. Not a not a classic. Uh, and this is how it sounded. In a lively play this first half, Paul Taylor. Everywhere for Peter Brennan, it'll be him to take a free kick, right footed delivery, chips it in into a good position, it's been a header and there's a goal. Too easy. I can't see who scored it, but Peterborough I think it's taken the lead. I think. I think you're right, Ryan. I think, I can't. Tafazoli. Tafazoli's world away, he just, uh, he just made a late run, got there first, and uh, it's one of those in-swinging uh, crosses that come up come in that uh, are difficult to defend if they're uh, if they're aimed at the right height and uh, that one certainly was and he got there first and we didn't and uh, Dylan Phillips had no chance for that Phillips did get a touch onto it but couldn't divert over the bar there's a lovely ball in from Taylor Port defender from Cheltenham Ryan Tafazzoli gives his side the lead after 21 minutes Chalt will have to come from behind and we'll find Taylor Taylor taking on Crofts little reverse ball but it's cut out by Teixeira Teixeira up to Crofts Crofts find McGuinness on the outside left and he's done so McGuinness will take on Boswick can he get past him he can into the penalty area McGuinness takes the shot off, off the, the post. post left hand post and Charlton so close to getting the equaliser super work from McGuinness left Boswick for dead but Peter Brunau can bring it away in the centre circle and uh, comes away with the ball hint of a foul but nothing given that's good work from Bataka to wing it back for Charlton cuts in field He's got Overstead away to his right, and so is Konza. It's Konza is picking this up. Far right-hand side now. Back inside to Overstead. Into space, Overstead. Will he take a shot? Thought about it. Instead, finds Konza again on the edge of the penalty area. Inside, chip across, drops to Overstead, tries to take a shot, blocked. Back to Bataka. Central position, now takes a shot off the crossbar! Lockman's in on there, but it's cleared away. And once again, Charlton denied by the woodwork. Edwards, uh, Taylor rather, Taylor looking for the run of uh, Nichols. he's uh, poor, poorly timed that run, he seems to think he did, but uh, the assistant down here, pretty much everybody else in the ground realised he'd run too soon, free kick to Charlton, quickly taken to Bauer, Bauer across to the right hand side and Konza on halfway, Konza with Edwards in front of him has got uh, Jose making the run, Jose back to Konza, Konza heavy first touch and that uh, allowed the challenge to come in and Moncur has picked it off, Moncur in the centre circle, goes left to Taylor Taylor takes on Konza and takes oh, on Bauer he's no. gone past both sorry that's Nichols Ryder he's in the box takes the shot comfortable goal it's a lovely no, it was finish I was right the first time lovely finish but he's got past them far too easily Edwards little nutmeg I think on the final one was Bauer and Phillips for some reason decided to stay on his line he probably should have come out and closed them down quicker but take nothing away from Edwards that's a lovely goal Again, a goal of Charlton's making a little bit. It's uh, ball lost in, in midfield. Trying, maybe trying to be take too, do too much, take too much on. Crofts picks it up instead. And that is the final whistle in a game that's been completely frustrating from a Charlton point of view. So we heard the highlights from CFC player HD, Terry Smith and Greg Stubbley taking you through. Uh, that, was, uh, <laughs> that, that was a good one, wasn't it, Tom? That was not a lot of fun, was it? It was... Uh one of the poorest performances I've seen down here really they just 
just didn't look up for it at all. Mm. Um, I think was it Oldham we played on a Tuesday night, yeah. which was probably the worst of the yeah, season. I'd say but, Oldham was worse for me. But, but this was just it just looked like a lack of effort, and I'm I'm not going to say that that was the case because I like to think that the players put everything into it, but it didn't come across like that sitting in the stands. Yeah, I mean we we saw the, the way the game started. I think. 10 minutes maybe in the first half, 15 minutes at the start of the second half where we had spells of possession. <laughs> Sorry, there's some kid jumping out the window. <laughs> and um, uh, and we did, without really creating much in that first mm. half, we, twice we hit the, the, the woodwork in the second half and you know, no shots on target throughout the game. Um, it, it simply wasn't good enough and Carl Robinson came out and said that himself. But I, can't, I don't understand why, why they were so disjointed. We played well uh, up at Bradford last week. We... Um, we, we had those spells at the start of each half. But why, why do you think Peterborough sort of dominated apart from that? I think I think Peterborough dominating is a part of it and we have to give credit to them because they press so high and seem to just make our players nervous. Um, I think our sort of youngsters were a bit more exposed because they are younger and they came up against an experienced team and a team, as I say, that were just pressing so high and putting them under pressure and that's where the mistakes came. Look at the the sort of mistakes that individual players were making just passing straight out into touch or just losing the ball so easily and that's something that we don't see that often from Charlton players and on Thursday's show I said if if we're on our game we, there's no reason we should fear Peterborough and we were just so far away from our game and it was a fairly routine win for them really Look at the concession of the goals was particularly disappointing mm. the first one coming after 21 minutes uh, Tafazoli's header from, from the free kick I mean Carl Robinson said uh, in his in his pre-match video, he talks about set pieces and he talks about the counter attack. So that's the, that's the way they scored twice. I mean, set yeah. pieces in particular. I mean, it's considering our defence has been one of our strongest points. So do, do you think the fact that we've we, we've now mixed it up a bit because Pierce has gone off injured and, and uh, Teixeira has come back in today? Do you think that that had an effect? Maybe, maybe, but it's no excuse because that was still simple enough to defend. I'm surprised Phillips himself didn't come out and claim it. I thought it was close mm. enough to him. But if not, we've got enough experience in that box to be able to clear that out. And nobody nobody took control and he basically had a free header just outside the six-yard box. And it was such a simple finish for him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously we have had to chop and change things at the back. But I don't think we can use that as an excuse, really. Yeah, good evening to Marion. So she's listening, by the way. Um, she said that she listened while she was wrapping presents yesterday and the game sounded awful. Now, um, start of the second half, whatever whatever Carl said at half-time seemed to work for a little while because we did come out quite a bit, a fair bit stronger. We saw McGuinness hitting the post. And we saw a Jose with a volley over the bar. We saw Botarka hitting the crossbar with a deflected shot. I mean, that's, that's twice in two league games that we've hit the uh, the frame of the goal yeah. twice within the space of about five minutes. But... Um, you know, there's a flash of what we could do there in that 15 minutes. Mm. And that's what I mean about being on our game. And when we did, Peterborough couldn't cope with us at all. It was only only 10 or 15 minutes, but they got nowhere near us. And, you know, it's one of those things where if you're an ultra-positive fan, you look at those two chances and you say they go in and that changes the game. But I think if you're being more realistic, creating those two or three chances in 15 minutes isn't good enough for a team that want to be pushing for those playoff places this season. So... It was it was a, a reaction of sorts, and I said I said to somebody at half time I wouldn't want to be in that dressing room when they when they went off down the tunnel because I should imagine Carl gave him a bit of a kick up the backside. But um, yeah, again we did that for ten fifteen minutes. We had a couple of chances, we didn't capitalise on them, and then they score their breakaway goal, and that that killed any sort of momentum we built up. Yeah, now that, I mean that that second goal was scored by Gion. Gion, I don't know if it's that, so Edwards. Guion, maybe. Guion, no, that's, that's not possible. I, thought, I mean, uh, I was sort of halfway through typing a sentence because the ball was sort of in midfield and then mm. looked up and all of a sudden it looked like Lionel Messi was playing for 30 seconds. I mean, 
Um, I said that in the press conference yesterday, and then there's some, someone tweeted about 30 seconds later saying, I just heard, uh, just heard Guillaume Edwards compared to Lionel Messi in the Charlton press room. I was like, <laughs> who's listening to me? <laughs> but, um, uh, the, the, I mean, you can praise the, 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 the Peterborough player for his run with the ball and his tenaciousness. But he, he got through some pretty soft challenges when, uh, mm. when we're trying to defend that one. Yeah, again, I think on the whole full credit to Peterborough because they did they pressed high and they worked hard and they were just generally better than us but in that occasion he didn't really have to work that hard to get through there and it was must have been was it around the halfway line he picked the ball up and there were four or five players that he just went past without any bother the challenges like you say were half-hearted and it was a good finish at the end of it but um, we've got to be doing better than that again and Robinson surely isn't going to let them get away with that anymore especially with such a big game coming up Wednesday and one of my worries, and I think I said it on Thursday, was perhaps people are going to be protecting themselves a bit for Wednesday, but those players were so bad at, on Saturday that arguably they've played themselves out of the team for, mm. for Wednesday night. Mm. So, um, yeah, the, and, and the way they reacted to that, I mean, there was a bit more possession a little bit after the mm. uh, after the second goal, but after that, no, no real clear-cut chances, apart from that corner they got nodded down towards the Jose where he couldn't sort his feet out in time to turn yeah. it towards goal. Apart from that, we weren't... Didn't really create much after it either. No, and as you say, no shots on target. Um, we've we've hit the post a couple of times. We've had a couple of longer range efforts that have gone over or wide, but that's really about it. And you look, I mean, I don't really want to pick out individuals yesterday because I thought it was poor all round. But you look at someone like Adamola Lutman, and you see when he has a bad game, how much that affects the side. Because especially with our injuries at the moment, we're so reliant on one or two key players that when they don't sh- show up and especially for someone so young that is going to happen every now and again we just haven't really got any sort of attacking threat mm. now uh, Andrew Buckland said yesterday was uninspiring unsurprising uninspiring and predictable uh, uh, Lisbon's asked why, some wise for the show why is Croft uh, why is Croft's captain why is he even in the team does uh, why does Carl uh, Robinson even rate him uh, why was there no Carl Robinson animation in the second half? So, do, did you think he'd been a bit calmer in the second half? Didn't you? A little bit. I don't know whether perhaps he saw that the game had gone as well. I think again, I don't want to pick up particularly on individuals because I don't think anyone covered themselves in glory. But Cross didn't have a, have a good game, to be honest. Um, but then there's been other games this season where I think he's been all right. He's not, you know, he's not a world class midfielder. He's not going to be up there for Player of the Year, I don't think. Um, but you know, he's he's working hard in the middle. Uh, and captain, it was a strange decision, I guess, because of his experience, you know. And if you, the players perhaps that are more Charlton, if you like, for example, Morgan Fox, I think, particularly given his performance yesterday, you don't necessarily want to put more pressure on someone like him. So I understand logically why you might might give it, but again, his cross performance was was just in keeping with everybody else, really. Mm. Susie says that my first home game of the season and my last until Roland sells. I'm passionate, non-passing. Uh, unmotivated players is an utter disgrace. Um, how, how much of an excuse do you think you can take from the fact that we are missing Rod Holmes? You know, players like that, Solly, that sort of thing. Um, again, I don't Nobeck. think. I think with something like yesterday, it's not an excuse because it seemed it seemed like it was a lack of effort that that cost us yesterday. Um, but I think we do have to take that into account. There are a lot of players missing, and that's going to hurt any team. But again. If that's the case, then that comes back down to the thinness of the squad, which mm. comes all the way from the top, and it's the same problem that we've had for the last three years. So, again, that you know, you can't blame Carl Robinson for that. Um, it's it's all a manner of things, isn't it? When we win, it's it's easy to to just talk about the victory and 
talk about the positives but when we lose the the fact is that all of the reasons that that's happening seem to come back to the same old problems which have existed for three years and while the protests go up and down and the discontent amongst fans and the relationship with the fans and the owners sometimes go up and down and go a bit quiet when we're doing okay problem is that when we start losing it's due to those those same problems uh, this one's for you, although I'll let you come in as well, Sue, because you would have seen him play on other days. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Pitchers, uh, Tom, uh, mm-hmm. says, uh, send Olvstad back to Burnley. He's hopeless. We're dreaming if, he think, if we think he is the calibre of player to get us back to the Championship. Because yeah. he's a player that I think has been pretty decent mm-hmm. at times this season. Maybe not yesterday. No, mm-hmm. one, no one was yesterday. I mean, I mean, I know you love him, Tom. Yeah, but I, I'm not going to defend his performance yesterday either. Um, I, he, wasn't, he wasn't good. Um, but I think... And again, it depends. If you're comparing him to the creative midfielders we've had in previous seasons, again, I'd argue he's not as good, admittedly. But the reality is that these are the sort of players we're bringing in now. And I think compared to the rest of the squad, he's actually he's pretty good. And he's someone I enjoy coming down to watch because I think he's got that little bit of class on the ball. He seems to have a couple more seconds on the ball than anybody else. He sort of slows the game down and picks out a key pass. So I think he's got a lot of, a lot of talent. Um, again, he didn't play well yesterday and... Uh, I would agree with a lot of people when people suggest that the squad is not as good as it has been in previous years. But again, that's that's not his fault. He's come here to do a job, and on the whole, I think he's done it well since he's he's come to the what club. What have you made of Ulf so far, Sue? Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's from what I've ever seen. He's just pointed out I wasn't here yesterday. Well, I wasn't here for the match. I worked, <laughs> and then I went home. You came for the pre-match, then you yeah, went home. Yeah. yeah. Well, I had a Christmas day to go to. So did um, after squad go with you by any chance? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Might have helped if they did. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, on the whole, I really like Freddie. I, I like. Uh, I think that he's inconsistent. How old is he? Is he quite? He's. Uh, he's about. I think he's about twenty-four. No, oh, his, okay. his face is about twelve. He yeah. looks so young, <laughs> and I kind of at times some of his decision making, I've kind of questioned a little bit. But mm. I guess I don't know how regularly he was playing at Burnley. Not. Not very regularly. Um, yeah. So. It, Again, I think it's one of them players that's going to grow into grow into a really great player. Um, and I think the difficulty has because we have had a fairly inconsistent <coughs> starting lineup. It, it, I think that's that's showing in some of the performances. Um, and when you have you are missing people like, although he's quiet, people like Solly who control so much in a game mm. um, I think some of the younger players are, are sort of probably struggling a little bit where they haven't got that so much guidance I think Crofts is gra- I think that's probably why Crofts has been picked as captain because he's one of the older sort of wiser heads he's calm um, and he, he's good for guiding the young players but um I'd, yeah, I wouldn't. I, I'm not questioning him mm. why he's he's picked as captain when you've got Jacko's. I think his hamstrings are playing up a little bit lately by the sounds of things. So crying it's a baby crying. No, yeah. Think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lewis Wheeler says, "How is Olstad getting picked out? Look, who's next to him? Andrew Crofts, whose legs have clearly um, gone. He's decent on the ball." Brings it forward and passes it well. Everything Crofts doesn't do. Arguably the best central midfielder we've got. I, that's what I was about to say. If you pick out particularly Crofts and Olverstad, who else are we going to put in the middle? Like Sue says, you've got Jacko, who I think, if he's fit and he's able to last the 90 minutes, most of us would have him in most games. But aside from that, where else do you go in that central midfield? That's the problem. 
We haven't got the players like we used to have. We haven't got a Dale Stevens or Jordan Cousins that can go in there. This is who we've got. I think Olverstad's probably the best in terms of quality out of those central midfielders. Otherwise, you're chucking in someone like Joe Aribo yet again, way too young, and you're going to burn mm. these young players out. Bob Lewis can say, Jesse was poor and he's got nothing more to add to that. Now, um, how are you rating the, the new Maginets? We've had, we've had four games now, but somewhat bizarrely, when we were out for our Chuck with Life Christmas drinks in Greenwich on, uh, on, fri- on Friday evening, I was sat by the window and who, who should walk past but Carl Robinson along with uh, Chris O'Loughlin. So I sort of shouted, oh, look, it's Carl, at which point Glove Pup chased him down the road towards the <laughs> Cutty Sark and said, Carl, Carl. But at that point, we went out and sort of we went out and I, I was chatting with O'Loughlin, but you were, you were there chatting with Carl. What, what sort of impression did you get from him there for starters? He, he does come across as a really nice bloke. Um, I had reservations about him coming in um i didn't know him personally before he came here there's just something about him that i just didn't like i couldn't put my finger on it but the way he's spoken since he's come into the club has been very good um he was he was great with us on friday as well gave us his time and and talked to us as well and it's a process this new manager and i think i said this on one of the shows recently that with someone like him he's got a philosophy that he wants to implement and it, it takes time he's not like a Redknapp or a Sherwood that comes in gives them a kick up the backside and gets them firing but he'll burn out after 10 games this is going to be something that he needs gradual time to develop and the problem is that coming to a club like us you invariably don't get that time um, obviously the first three or four games haven't been brilliant For you know, he would have wanted a nice comfortable win by now but you say we played well at Bradford and they were unbeaten at home. He's played Milton Keynes in two of his games, which can't have been easy and obviously doesn't excuse the the loss, for example, on Tuesday night. But they're you know, slightly different, out-of-the-ordinary games. And then we've come up against a Peterborough side who are known for scoring goals uh, and just out- outplayed us. So he needs time. We can't judge him yet. Um, the way he talks, I like it. But sooner rather than later, the performances have got to mirror the way he's speaking about the club, I think. Mm. Yeah, I, think, I I I agree with with Tom on a lot of that, and I mean when he's when Carl's name was being thrown into the hat after Russell had gone, me and Tom were pretty much the same mind, but we was only judging it on what we'd seen of him at, at MK and sort of he's one of these people it's really easy for him to win you over the way when he the way he speaks and the passion that he's got with the game, and I think again Tom's right in the adaption of the way that we're having to play now where Russell was quite defensive Carl seems to be much more attack minded and that's that's going to take some time for players to feel comfortable in playing that way and it's always going to leave you if you're playing attacking football it's going to leave you open to to possibly conceding and I think once they once the lads get their head round that way of playing it'll come good Oh, fingers crossed. Right, let's. Uh, I mean, uh, Mike Tyson said that he's uh, bored of Robinson cheeky chappy act already. So, right, let's uh, let's have a listen to Carl Robinson. Uh, came in to speak to Terry, give us this exclusive interview after yesterday's two 0 defeat here against Peterborough. Joined by Carl Robinson in the studio after Carl, uh, what uh, must be a massive disappointment this afternoon for you? Yeah. Mm. Is it? Today, a case of uh, you look at the injuries we've had to what is already a, a, yeah. a fairly stretched squad. Is it? A Listen, a lot, a lot, well? there's a lot of injuries. Obviously, um, when you look at Jordan and, and uh, Esri and, and Addy today, the 120 minutes, which they never played in the week, and you could see that it was very evident. Um, and when we don't have the players to rotate, in some ways, from you know, we could only change four or five. But obviously, 
we couldn't change them all. They had a complete rest all week. But let's not use excuses. Let's not use them. We weren't good enough. And it was a goal 20 minutes in, in either half uh, that, that killed us off and a uh, dead ball situation and a, and a breakaway goal. But I told you that before the game. That was a strength. Um, I just said to him in there, don't think that we can use an excuse to mask that performance. It was atrocious in some ways. The first 15 minutes of the first half was excellent. The first 20, up to, the, up to probably the goals in some ways in both halves, we were the better team. And at 1-0, we hit the post, we hit the bar. And you think, God, they just lack that look. And it's hard. It's hard. It's hard for the fans. It's hard. For the, it's hard. Some of the performances weren't what people wanted to see. And we, we were way off. And they have to take that on the chin. You've experienced some uh, some battling performances in your short time yes, already. Uh, very much and, so, uh, and sadly that uh, that just wasn't there today for for whatever. No, we, no, I'm asking so much of them. Maybe that there's always going to be that drop off, but I, I'm not going to accept that as an excuse. So, if I do, I'm not the person with the football club, am I? With the with the injuries we've got, yeah. uh, obviously Declan uh, falling down again uh, yesterday, yeah. sadly, um, with uh, Jason being a, a long-term absentee, does that make January critical? In terms it of does, yeah, it really does. It's, um, listen, let's stop beating about the bush. I don't care about January. These have got a chance to prove themselves right. They can mope, they can soak, they can do what they, they swore. They can do what they want. There's a game on Wednesday. No, no, then again. Let's not know then again. In some ways, it's it's that huge that uh, anything that goes on before can be can be. Can be uh, it's, it's a battle. It's a battle. Men against men. And uh, and a game that uh, a lot of Charlton fans set a lot of stall by uh, the game against Millwall, especially uh, in their backyard. It's uh, it's a game that could win uh, everybody a lot of uh, a lot of um, brownie points, shall we say? We're not after anything. Do you know what we want to make people proud? We don't want anything. We want to make them happy. So, when we go to battle on Wednesday, every ounce of our performance will be for the people who support us. And there's no better way to be criticised than to roll your sleeves up and put your shoulders back and take it on the chin and walk through it. As hard as you want to hit me, I won't stop walking. I won't start walk. I won't stop walking any slower. Sorry, on Wednesday, I know what we have to do here. If it was ever clear, now it is. There's another side to me that people don't see. I've got to be the man that is brave and stand up to certain situations. I'll do so. And today is a day to stand up and be counted. I have to take responsibility for the performance because of my team. I have to take responsibility for the for the negativity it has to fall down on me because I'm the manager. But equally, we turn ourselves around and we go again on Wednesday. Bigger, bolder, faster, stronger, more aggressive. It's not about the size of the physical presence of a man, it's just what's inside him. The heart, the desire, the application, the attention to detail. They're things that no one sees. And they're the things that we're looking for, that we're going to need them. And we'll know what players have them. But you can't see facets of people's mentality or certain aspects of who they are. You can as a physical presence, but it's not about the physical presence on, on Wednesday. So how far are you willing to go in, a, in, in anything, in a tackle, in a press, in a shot, in a save? How far are you willing to go?
Well, <clears throat> Carl, appreciate you coming in. Cheers, difficult, thank difficult you. Difficult time after a thank defeat, you. but thank Cheers, you. Cheers, thank you, Scott. Lovely ball into the part of Goodmanson. Can he take his man on? He does. He's trying to be pulled back, but he's in the area. The ball across the Vinicaine! And there's a goal! Joe the lead again. Super work. Firstly from Henderson and rolled it out to Cousins, who did a pinpoint pass into the part of Goodmanson. And instead of Goodmanson going on his own, a slide rule ball across the penalty area picked out Vinicaine, who buried his chance, and Charlton a 2 1 up. So you had the mascots from yesterday's game shouting as loud as they could into the uh, the microphone. I'm speaking to you now. They uh, they always come into the studio and have a little tour, part of the tour of the mascots. They uh, heard from Carl Robinson there. Um, very honest after yesterday's defeat. Obviously not very happy uh, with the way they played. Um, it was I'd say him and Russell so far have both shown a good honest streak, and that's what you mm. need. That's what that's what you want really from a manager, isn't it? Yeah, I mean. I think uh, in in the past, I guess I don't know if it got lost in translation, but some of the managers that we had before, um, you, you almost felt like they were making excuses for for defeats. Whereas I think with with Russell um, and now with Carl, like we've just said off air, it's it's weird when you listen to Carl talk like that because it's depressing because you can hear how much it's hurting him but at the same time it's refreshing and it's again like exciting is probably not the right word but it's just nice to have someone who genuinely cares and has got that sort of he's really taken that that loss to to heart mm. and and I think all the time if people are giving that 110% in, even in terms of the management and the backroom staff, you can't ask any more than that. Yeah. They, ca- they can only prepare t- their, the players um, up until that kick-off and obviously the half-time bit. But then then it's down to the players to put in what what they've been told to do. So, I, again, I'll, I'm probably defending him mm. in terms of yesterday. Obviously, I didn't see the game, but it's it just... I think the players have got to hold their hands up at, at times and, and say you, he's not the sort of manager that you think would go into it in a sort of half-hearted way in terms of preparing the side no. for the team they're going to be playing. He's obviously put a lot of work into making sure we're set up right. Um, and and then once they've crossed that white line it's down to them. Mm. I think as someone who was here yesterday I think that's exactly right and you can't excuse the defending for that first goal, really, and you can't excuse the lack of tackles for that second goal and all the sloppy passes and individual mistakes. Maybe some of that comes out of him trying to get them to play a different style and try something slightly yeah. different, but I think a lot of it... I think right at the end of the game, or towards the end of the game, McGuinness got the ball, passed it straight out of play. Like We know he's better than that. There's mm. no way he would do that in any other game. So what was it yesterday that that made him do that? Mm. And there were too many instances like that where individual players... How many times did Addy just run into players and, yeah, and give a, the ball away? Whereas he? usually you'd see him dance past one or two and then either rip a shot or, or lay it off. And that just kept happening. And as I say, I'm not going to pick out specific individuals because every single player did things like that throughout the game. And 
uh, like Sue says, Robinson can't can't justify that. He puts mm. the players out there. They should be able to do those <coughs> basic things, and they just didn't do them. Yeah, Lewis said, I also feel that Carl Robinson needs to get the balance right. We did look exposed and open many times when sending many players forward. It can't be easy, as you sort of said, Tom, for the players to go from such a defensive mindset uh, or set up to, to go uh, all guns blazing. <laughs> Daniel says that that Robertson interview reminds me of Mike Bassett, engine manager. <laughs> then Lewis said that Terry was left speechless after. He's, he does give quite, um, I don't know, grandiose speeches. He really expresses himself, quite emotional speeches. As someone on Twitter last night, I can't remember who it was, uh, dubbed some of his press conference from yesterday over Land of Hope and Glory. <laughs> and he looked like... <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, but you, you, you could see how um, frustrated he was when he came out. When, we, when I asked him the first question yesterday, and I always, I always ask uh, a, a, a really open question just to see how the managers feel. I always say, some, some of your feelings up after that one, something like that. And he, he sort of took a deep breath and then looked at me and went, I could tell you the truth, how I'm actually feeling, or I could be. Cause, and two or three times he said, you know, I'm not going to tell you what I think because I'm, I've got to try and keep my cool here. And it was mm. clear, clearly. Uh, rolled up about that yesterday. Right, don't forget on tonight's show we've got um, <clears throat> a couple of uh, topics we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about uh, in a little while. We're going to talk about uh, some comments that have uh, surfaced from Roland du Châtelet uh, in the Belgian media today. So uh, be, be prepared to react to that if you want to. Also, it's uh, Christmas coming up, so we want to know what's going to uh, you're going to get you, you want from Santa Claus Jensen. Uh, what, what, what Christmas present do you want Cholton related please uh, and of course look ahead to Millwall as well let's know if there's anything you want from that I'm sure a couple of the Christmas presents will involve wins at Millwall um, yeah. but if we, can we can keep them like, realistic please so yeah. <laughs> unicorns something like that <laughs> right so let's go on to the emails eh? um, uh, I'm, uh, you haven't got your thing have you so I'm going no, to sort that for you today right so Chris Davins the first one up says uh, Chris Davins good evening Chris says uh, so as it was like Russell had never gone away. It was a truly gutless, spineless performance from Charlton for the gathered few to endure at the Valley yesterday. No win in four. One goal scored for cheeky chappy Coles Reds. And after hearing good reports from the Bradford game of a brave new world, I went to the Valley full of Christmas cheer. Attack, attack, attack the Robinson mantra. Entertainment, the name of Robinson's game. Or so I was led to believe. Not a bit of it. Complete and utter drivel was how I'd describe what was on offer. We deserve nothing, got nothing against a side... Uh, though bigged up by Carl were very very ordinary yes we hit the woodwork twice but that was uh, the total of our 90 minutes lack of endeavour why Fox who sadly was his useless best started ahead of Chicks and I have no clue not nice to jeer him I know but can see where the fans were coming from he needs to kick up the you know what to wake him up defensively terrible offensively worse he needs to be taken out to starting 11 as of Wednesday yes it's not Robinson's team so he gets a bit of a free pass for now but the cheeky chappy PR dream face of the regime seriously messed up yesterday though many have been drawn into his pre-match tactical interviews and want to be one of the lads interviews the talking is done on the pitch that talking was non-existent yesterday injuries yes but that is no excuse for the rubbish served up uh, on the pitch and he said it was as bad as any Russell Slade performance did you think about that? I can't argue with a lot of that really mm. it was pretty pretty gutless yesterday I think um, like I say that attacking football that Carl wants definitely wasn't on show yesterday but because we didn't have those shots on target and uh, but then when you think about it those counter-attacks our players were high up the pitch so part of it's getting there and as I say I think this change in philosophy is just going to take time and, and we've got to we've got to give him time but um, yeah yesterday yesterday was just not good 
We, um, so I think I said earlier on during the season, like what, just after Carl got here, saying, yeah, it's all well and good talking, but obviously in, in 10 games mm. game, if we're still just talking and not doing it on the pitch, yeah. obviously. Uh, the other thing that, that Chris mentioned, of course, was something I got for a fair bit of sticker for on Twitter yesterday for daring to have an opinion mm. on, was um, uh, the Morgan Fox. Obviously, Morgan didn't have a good game yesterday. No one did. He was, yeah. I don't think he stood out as the worst player, but he, he was in and amongst the, the, the many players who didn't play well. When his substitution was, uh, was brought up towards the end, for Brandon Hamlin there was sarcastic cheering uh, and I, I sort of tweeted out just saying you know I'm, I'm not a fan of sarcastic cheering I don't, mm. think, I don't think it's worthwhile um, and, and uh, others disagreed with that I mean it's, it's ne- I've never been one for booing or sarcastically cheering I understand that people want to do that it's up to them I've just never seen how in any way it would help yeah I'm completely the same I think that you pay your money you come here You if you want to boo you boo if you want to hurl abuse at a player you hurl abuse at a player it's entirely up to you but uh, with you when when that happened, I, I didn't like to see it. Um, I don't like to think that you know Fox hasn't gone out there and done it on purpose. He's had a bad game. I think he knows he's had a bad game. Um, but you know he's going to have to go out there and play for us again sometime. And you know how's how's that going to help his confidence in terms of that next game that he has to go out and play? And I think probably having looked at the last two or three games, particularly MK Dons on Tuesday night where Chickson was arguably our best player, I was surprised that he didn't start. Yeah. But if Fox is put out there by the manager, then so be it. And, you know, yes, he struggled. The whole team struggled. But in my opinion, you you can't, you shouldn't be doing that. Um, we saw it with Mackinock last year and look at him now. <laughs> and now he's banging in I'm goals so for Preston. I'm so happy for him. And I yeah, so every time he scores, him. a little part of me sort of chuckles. But... You know, it, I admit he, there were games here where he didn't impress either. But booing and, and sarcastically cheering players off—it's it, not something that I would agree with. Yeah. Mm. Um, I, I mean, everyone, I think everyone knows my feelings on it because I've, I've spoken about it in the past. Um, and again, it's—it's—we it, had used to have that discussion about if you was in your office doing your job and. You, you sort of messed something up and all your teammates started going boo get out get off whatever what is that going to do for your confidence mm-hmm. or what is that how is that going to make you feel that you want to be there the, the valley can be such an intimidating place to opposition teams but at the moment it feels like sometimes it's being mm. more intimidating to our own players yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, and it's been like that for donkeys yeah we struggle with that and I don't mm. know what it is it's sometimes I, fa- I think when even when Pally was was um, in charge we used to play better away from home mm. because it the, it's almost like that, that pressure is lifted off of the players from making that one wrong touch that then leads to the crowd to start getting on their backs mm. I, do, I do wonder if you have that every time I mean, there's plenty of clubs I've been to as well I remember Rotherham the worst for it when I went to Rotherham a couple of years ago, and they, I think it was a game we drew one all, and they they get on their own players back. It probably mm. is something that happens at every club. But. I'm sure it does. Yeah. And, and as it's I say, those pe- people who choose to do it, that's entirely up to them. I'm not here to tell them that they they can't do it, but uh, it doesn't mean I have to agree with it, and I, and I don't. So yeah, there we go. Right, Alex Hall says, "Dear Charlton Live, I'm completely gutted by this weekend's result. I really thought we'd turn a corner with these types of performances. Surely Chickson has to start. He's put chicken actually. Uh, we seem to we seem so much more solid solid when he plays. The Jose isn't just." scoring and Josh seems to hit the bar or post uh, I've never seen a striker hit the woodwork so often uh, I've read an 
uh, 11 million pound deal has been agreed for Lookman I think that was in the, the Daily Mail yeah. or something we were reporting that I've yeah. never even bothered reading it to be honest I don't know uh, if the money is invested back in the team we should take it and that's a huge question uh, he doesn't look ready for a move to the Premier League with his last few performances hope we sell Fox we were offered 2 million for him from Sheffield Wednesday in the last uh, in the last transfer window he's a very overrated player January couldn't come sooner enough for us hope we uh, get uh, some more passion and fight in our team of strikers who can score I, I'm still believing that we can make the playoffs. So that's hoping. I mean, like I said, talk about the investing the money back in. I mean, that might be that might be pie in the sky thing because we haven't. Like, we, we've seen money coming into the club in terms of some players, but not, the amount of money that's gone out at times. Maybe we haven't seen it all come back in at times mm. for players, and especially if you're taking a, away a player. Of, admittedly, Lookman struggled a bit or struggled mm. a fair bit yesterday. But you know, if you're taking a player of that quality away, and then if you don't replace him, then that's going to be that would be a huge miss. Mm. I think I think with him as well is, and I think we discussed it a couple of weeks ago that he hadn't seemed his his self in in probably the last sort of five five weeks or so, and whether that's he's having his head turned or whatever it is. Um, but again, for the at the risk of like repeating myself and sounding like a broken record, he's eighteen years old. He's still growing. He's still learning, and the amount. I mean, to me, it just seems unbelievable that all of our hopes at the moment are pinned on an 18-year-old boy. Mm. There we go. Uh, Mike Tyson says, Fox just isn't good enough for me. Simple as that. Um, Marion says, I've never liked booing individual players. Some will always do it. Good evening to Steaders and to Gluff. We're both listening this evening for the first time in a while. Uh, (laughs) Thomas Bristow says, sarcasm alert. Was good to hear the place rocking with all of the fans who just wanted to get behind the team, particularly the moment they all got behind Morgan Fox by ironically (laughs) cheering him off the pitch. In In many of those... If many of those in the ground are against the protest because they wrongly think that it affects our results, then how do they think trying to knock a player's already low confidence even further is getting behind the team? Every paying fan is entitled to an opinion, but those who did that need to have a word with themselves. I'm by no means Morgan Fox's biggest fan, far from it, but he is a mid-table League One quality player playing in a mid-table League One quality side. It's not his fault that the mismanagement at our club has led to him being played as regularly as he has. Uh, for over the last year. So that's from Thomas uh, Bristow. Um, so I've already mentioned that already. <coughs> Howard Wood says, Hi, I've been to Charlton nine times in 2015 and 16 and won a away match at Gillingham. They've won once, which is the first game I saw against Hull. Uh, I first went as a boy in the 1950s when we lived in Welling. The display against Peterborough was heartbreaking, but I don't blame the players. There seemed no system, and booing a home player was appalling. The game at Gillingham was, I think, the worst game I've ever seen. Apparently, Peterborough are good at free kicks. Why aren't we? Perhaps we should ask Thomas Dryson to watch a few videos of free kicks and pass the information to us. It's hardly rocket science. I shan't go again unless there is a drastic change of direction. I have an awful feeling we will have an Irish manager from the network at the end of the season. Uh, having spoken to, uh, let's say, bumping into Chris O'Loughlin and Carl Robinson out in Greenwich, he's, uh, he's, very, he's got a very thick South African accent, actually. It's not, oh, really? not really Irish, yeah. It's quite, quite interesting. Um, Steve, we've got one from Colin about Millwall v Charlton, which we'll come on to in a bit later, because obviously we're going to talk about a lot about Charlton's uh, game for, for Millwall in a bit. But Steve Catley says, fully appreciate he's still a kid and still learning, but I have to put a bit of blame at Dylan Phillips feet for both both the goals yesterday. There was no way he was ever going to save a header from the edge of the six-yard box and should have come with a big fist amongst the crowd uh, with him coming and taking the ball players and everything else in the way the second a great goal saw him not come out quickly enough for me both one-on-ones away at MK saw him 
not goalkeeper, not come out beyond the six yard line. In the pre-match warm-up yesterday, he was practicing, if you like that, with a goalkeeping coach who was just running from the edge of the box and he was coming to his six yard line and stopping. Surely he should just keep going and narrow the angle right down. To be fair though, there were a lot worse out there, some a lot worse. Cheers for keeping the show going despite the general glumness. Have a good Christmas, guys. And you, uh, Steve, thanks for that. What did you make of Phillips? I mean, I, I thought he's done pretty well since he's come in. Do you think he's questions over the goals? Uh, I think he's been great since he came in and um, luckily so because obviously Rudd's so good himself. Um, yesterday, like I sit behind the goal so obviously I'm not alongside so I can't see exactly where that ball ended up but from where I was I was surprised he hadn't come out and at least tried to like uh, that person who emailed in at least got a fist to it um, the second goal I don't think there was a lot he could do really he was a bit exposed but that first one he maybe could have claimed but what might worry him is that's arguably his worst performance since he's come into this run and Rudd's is he now fit or getting fit so yeah I think he was he was due to play on Saturday mm. but then he tweaked something in training right. uh, slipping over in so training on Friday it's going to be a big call I think on Wednesday night about who Robinson picks um, you know I like Phillips uh, and I think it, on the whole he's been he's been a good player for us but uh yeah, he wasn't brilliant and just not, not commanding enough yeah. yesterday. Bob says, why do we insist on Lookman taking all the free kicks and corners? Surely he's not the only one able to put a ball in. Uh, his slip at the end summed the day up. For me. So you wouldn't have seen that too, but basically after a very disappointing performance, we had a, a free kick just into injury time, midway through their half after mm. a bit of a pushing and shoving between Chickson and one of their lot. And uh, Lookman wound up to uh, to take the free kick and pump it into the box, slipped over, hit his standing foot, and it just rolled about five yards away. And Peter had another oh. break just as the game was finishing. Yeah, his um his set piece delivery had been pretty poor, to be fair. Mm. Um, I didn't notice it as much yesterday, but I don't think we had as many chances to get the ball into the box after that. Oh, Some of his corners yesterday were better. Well, no, because I I was puzzled when he got put on corners. I was like, why is is a lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's an attacking player, he should be in the area. He's not, he's not, he's not told the tallest about three foot. No, no, yeah, but he's got... On the edge of the box, if you get it good, coming, yeah. yeah, if you get it coming out, he's someone that can get hold of it and have a <coughs> shot. Um, I, d- I don't understand why he's on him. Mm. Um, right, let's uh, let's hear from Andrew Crofts. Came in to speak to uh, Terry in the press conference after yesterday's game. Uh, talks a little bit, obviously, about yesterday's game. It looks ahead to the Millwall game as well. This is Andrew Crofts after yesterday's 2-0 defeat. Andrew? Tough afternoon, uh, difficult going to be part of, I'm sure. Yeah, obviously, um, you know, we was building some momentum and um, today's a real kick in the teeth because uh, after the Bradford game, it was all like real for the spirits and 
um, we played really well that day, and you could tell we was you know we had some good results. And then that coming into the day, we really wanted to win today. Um, and then up until the first goal, like the first fifteen twenty, we started off all right. To be fair, and I was thinking you know this this could be a good day. And then we um, we gave a sloppy goal away, and then after that we. We were poor, to be fair, and then second half we come out first ten and had, had a go. We looked like we could have uh, got back into it. Um, didn't get that equaliser, and then obviously they they caught us on the counter attack. And then after that, they you know it was um, yeah it weren't it weren't great, but you know we're, we're delighted that we got a game on Wednesday, massive game, um, and 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 we got to put that to bed now. Think about Wednesday because everyone knows how important that game is, and um, we, we we're really really looking forward to that now. Is it as simple as looking at the two goals, the timing of the two goals after, after as you said, uh, a decent first ten minutes in the, in the first half, and the same again the second where we, it, it would work twice? Is it that simple, or is it you know? Can you put your finger on other things that just didn't, didn't seem to happen? Like? Yeah, it was like I said, it was carbon copy really. Like both both halves were like like I said, the first ten fifteen and the first half. I thought we started with a good intent. Um, we was pressing well, and we was playing well, and we we was looking like we was going to threaten them. And then obviously, like I said, the, the the sloppy goal goes in, and then I think we needed to just stick to what we we was doing and sort of not panic because because obviously, you know, when you go goal down, it's still. Well, it was like 70, 75 minutes to go, so there was plenty of time. I think we just come away from from what we was doing well, um, and then I said, I said we, we all said that in the changing room. Just you know, after that, we panicked a bit and stopped doing what we was doing um, well and what we wanted to do and what we worked on all week. Um, but we're, we're learning from that. Um, I said we can't do nothing about it now. Like, if, again, first 10, 15, the second half. If maybe if that goal goes in, unlucky to at the post and and so on and so forth. But it weren't to be, and then obviously they they kept catch us on the counter-attack and then it's hard work from there but yeah we're bitterly disappointed because we was building some momentum but we used that disappointment to um, to have a right good goal on Wednesday. You mentioned about the momentum and we've been putting some good battling performances over the last one and certainly since uh, Carl Robinson's uh, come to the club uh, but then we're constantly getting injured we already had Declan Rowe we already had Ricky Andrew we had Chris Solly and then suddenly you've got Lee Novak on top of that you've got Jason Pearce with a long term injury does that affect the mentality of the squad as well? They're obviously all big. The players you mentioned there are massive players for us. Yeah, of course it has a as a effect as far as it can because, like I said, they're massive players for us. Pearcey was different gear um, up and obviously until his injury. And Knives is a big player. Souls is a massive player. He has been for years. Ricky Holmes is was our driving force going forward and. Uh, our creator and stuff, and obviously Deck. Deck was, um, you know, he was brought here to, to be number one, and he was doing great. And then, yeah, they're all big players. But at the same time, we we, we got a decent score. We had a decent team out there today. Um, so no excuses on on that on that side of it. Um, boys, obviously, had a without like I said, no excuses. Boys had a 120 minutes on on uh, Tuesday, so that might have uh, t- took its toll a little bit on a few, but. Um, this football, like I said, we're bitterly disappointed, but we got another game Wednesday, and uh, like I said we know how big it is. Uh, we got to get, get it right for that. As an experienced man in the squad, obviously we've got some young kids in there, and Ezri at the back, of course, as well. And we've got uh, Wednesday coming up. Um, I think everybody probably knows how important that is to the uh, to the fans as well as, as the club. I mean, three points is, is is of course vital, but the nature of where we're going and who we're playing. Mm-hmm. Um, will you be a big part in trying to uh, g up the g up the team to to get them up for for Wednesday? Yeah, definitely. I'm. Uh, I love derby games. Um, as a player, they're what you want to play in, um, and every every fan that's going to that game is going to want us to give everything we got. Um, and yeah, of course, yeah, I love I love talking to the young boys. Uh, said that when I first came, I've been really really impressed with them. Um, they're big big players, and 
with big, big bright futures, and yeah, it'd be obviously there might be a few few of them uh, with a first taste of a massive derby, and um, they'd be needing that help. Um, we're all we're all together. Um, we've got a real good group of lads, and uh, yeah, like I said, we'll we'll put it right next few days. Forget about today. I know it's tough too because everyone cares about how we get on. I'm I'm one of them that. You know, it's gone, but it still hurts. But like I said, you use that hurt in the right way, channel it in the right way, and um, we look forward to Wednesday. Our, uh, I don't know if you're aware, but our record against uh, Millwall isn't exactly up there uh, in, in, to be proud of, to be mm. to be crowing from. So the victories that do come are remembered and are remembered yeah. for a long time. Uh, I wonder if the players would be aware if, uh, if they get anything out of it. They get a decent result on Wednesday. Yeah. They could uh, they could end up being legends here. Yeah, yeah no, I've heard, mate, I've um, I'm. Uh, I've heard it already. We, we're saying it straight away. I think 20, 21 years or whatever. So, uh, yeah, if we're the team to do it, and, and obviously we play them again in Jam, but obviously Wednesday's massive. Um, yeah, definitely. I want to be one of them players that is, is involved in the team that built, beat me all course. And I think everyone in that change room is exactly the same. Um, and I said we we got to channel that disappointment today, um, channel it in the right way, and get up for Wednesday and give it everything we got. Charlton Live from the home of time. time. This is Maritime Radio Greenwich. Carol, a heavy defeat at Burnley today. How do you sum that one up? We were good. Charlton Live. I'm about John Live here on Maritime Radio, just hearing there from uh, Andrew uh, Cross on tonight's show. We're gonna, in, in a few moments' time, we're going to try and decipher some of the quotes that Rodan supposedly gave to uh, Belgian TV, uh, which uh, surfaced this afternoon. He's trying to get a couple of, couple of standout ones in there. I think he refers to um, protesters as stupid. Uh, so, so, we'll, we'll, um, so someone on the, uh, on the forum has translated that for us. I think it's from Dutch, so we'll, we'll try and work that one out. Uh, also later on, it's um, Santa Claus Jensen is going to be coming down your chimney, uh, uh, no matter where you are in the world. Uh, soon, uh, December the twenty-fifth coming up. So we're going to uh, discuss what you want for Christmas from Santa Claus Jensen. Uh, let us know studio at charltonlive.co.uk. You can tweet us at charltonlive. Couple more emails which are going to go through in a few seconds' time. Uh, Roger Charles said, "What on earth was that yesterday? So frustrating." Uh, Bradford was a million miles better from that performance. Get behind the boys, don't boo. Uh, now Paul Glover tweeted me uh, Peter were right so, so when Glove <laughs> Pop come out on our Charlton Live drinks on um, uh, on, on our uh, on, on Friday evening and so we're sat there sat there staring out the window and I just see Carl Robinson I didn't even notice who the, the other person was until we, ch- until we went out like Glove Pop chased him down and I went Carl Carl and then Carl, went, Carl turned around and Glove Pop apparently said don't know what to say now <laughs> <laughs> something along those lines <laughs> But, um, so they had a chat but then when I went out and I noticed it was Chris O'Loughlin next to him so while you guys were talking to Carl so I've already spoken to Carl I've never spoken to Chris O'Loughlin so it would be interesting to speak to him mm. uh, but um, Carl mentioned something on the lines of the, where, um, where he was staying uh, in Greenwich is exactly where the Peterborough team stayed as well and, and, and at which point Glovepipe looked at Chris O'Loughlin and went oh are you from Peterborough are you? I was like, no, like, I ain't been paying attention to the news recently, has he? <laughs> uh, uh, Pedro says, Pete here, back in Cornwall now. So he's back from uh, Dubai. He says, uh, when we had that when interim manager, things were going great guns. What happened? Um, how, how long were you gone for, Pedro? <laughs> 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 yeah. uh, right, so um, uh, we've got 
a couple more emails which I'll talk about. Bob Knight says, uh, I said at the start of Robertson's reign that you play the formation that suits your players. We have the worst central midfield in the division, so you need your wide men to help protect the back four. You cannot play without an out-wingers. Nugent proved he knew the strength of his players with a more defensive setup. Carl needs to get his own players in before changing the formation. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because, like I say, Carl Robertson's known for having his own style of play, but you can only fit it around what you've got. And he, he talked about it yesterday, uh, some quotes in the press conference, talking about how... Um, he likes to play with wing backs, but he does or, or wingers as wing backs. He says he just doesn't have as doesn't have the right people to play with at the moment, and that's obviously frustrating. And that's obviously something he's going to try and address when he gets to January. Yeah, um, and he's given that that four four two a go, hasn't he? Since he come in, because that's what we've been used to playing. Um, it'll be very interesting what he does in January. I think, irrespective of whether we're pushing for those playoffs or not, and I think you can clearly see at the moment we're not. Um, you still, we have to go out and buy now and. Hopefully Robinson can buy the sort of players that he he wants and start to then use the second half of this season to shape a team in his image, get them playing the way he wants, get the formation he wants. Um, And as I say, obviously we all want to go up at the first time of asking, but if that's not going to happen, then he has to be given time because there's no point getting to the summer, at which point he's just created his team and then they get rid of him and bring someone else in and the whole process starts again. So yeah, January is massive for us and... You know, I don't, I don't know necessarily the names that we that we need, but um, hopefully Carl does, and if he brings in the right players, then the second half of the season could be good. So yeah, well, we knew he was. Um, I think it was on Monday evening. He, he was told that he was uh, going up north to watch a game, uh, yeah. and everyone assumed it was Bolton Gillingham. But I think I've been told it's not. It was a twenty threes game somewhere. So because I was hoping he was going Bolton Gillingham, so we could buy that Bradley Dak because mm. I like him. I think but, a lot of us yeah. were. But, uh, but it sounds like it wasn't that right. Philip Chalice says, Horrible performance yesterday. Like most people, I'm more than happy to give Carl Robertson some time, but we can't keep playing like we did yesterday. Fox is certainly finding things tough, but the way he has been picked out as a scapegoat seems harsh to me, as he at least seems to be trying, but simply lacks quality. Compare him with someone like Jose, who came to us with a big reputation, but has been atrocious all season and seems, and worse, seems totally uninterested most of the time. He should be getting a lot more stick. And Fox, in my view. I mean, what, what have you seen there, Jose? I mean, he missed a bit of a half chance when that header came down to him yesterday and had a volley over the crossbar as well. What have you made of, of Nicky so far? I, th- I think it's difficult for Nicky. He's come with this big reputation. And we, I think we touched on it a few weeks ago and we said, we said he's not one of these skillful goal scorers. He's not going to be scoring worldy goals. He's going to be... Get, getting on the end of like a little cheeky tapping no, and that, things that, that like that. goal he scored at Colchester in the checker trade. I didn't see that. Yeah. No one did. It was a cross. He just tapped home, but yeah. But he, he's he's one. Of, he's a he's a poacher. He's a goal yeah. poacher. And if one, if you're not getting that service to get on the end of those, but strikers are confidence players. If yeah. they're not scoring, their reds go down. They look like they're not interested, but they are. They just don't know how to get themselves back into it. And I would never question his his like his uh, one of like his passion. He's just I mean he is a little bit more of a laid back uh, back bloke, but he he'll want he wants to win. He wants to play, and I think he's probably finding it frustrating that he's probably questioning himself. Whereas my touch gone sort of is mm. is is hard when you see players like that that you know are capable of so much better sh- clearly struggling. I think what confused me yesterday is, uh, and I agree with you, he is that kind of poacher type striker. So you want him on the edge of the last defender so that when those crosses come in, he can pounce on them. And 
what confused me yesterday is he kept dropping short or like when Lukman was out wide he was often drifting out wide to help him out on the wing and you think is that a lack of confidence is he thinking well if I'm in the box and I miss my chance that's going to be even worse so I'll just stay out here and try and provide instead and he didn't seem to be taking up the positions which from my mind and from the highlights I've seen of him last season were his natural ones which were like Sue says edge of the six yard box waiting for those crosses to come in and instead he was kind of I don't I don't know touch wise but I would think it majority of his touches were well outside the penalty area and that's it's not what you want from someone like him you look at Tuesday night at MK Dons his best chance came from bursting into the penalty area and taking a player on on the edge of the six yard box so that's what we need to see more of from him and as I say he didn't really do that yesterday Right, uh, during the afternoon I started. my phone started going off with people tweeting me saying I bet you've had to change your script for tonight's Channel 9 and I was like what are they talking about I've been at a Christmas uh, sort of drink nibbles this afternoon You don't have a script do I? Uh, uh, do you have a script? Yeah. yeah well I say a script sometimes it's a posting note today it's a, a <laughs> word document with 12 lines on it let's headings not, let's not let them behind the curtain <laughs> yeah. weeks of research yeah, going every, each yeah show. Every, every single word I say is scripted even this even this I, I wrote this conversation and pretended that we were just making it up yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so yeah so I was like what's going on now so I, I sat I, I got onto my phone and, and, and had a look and uh, so basically Ronald had, had given some quotes to some sort of Belgian TV channel uh, and there was some sort of video which appeared to have been taken down. But I mean, the, the, the standout quotes where he sort of referred to um, referred to the protesters as sort of some some sort of idiot or something like that. Uh, stupid, stupid idiot, was it? Stupid. No, it's just stupid oh, people. Stupid people. Sorry, there we go. So, so that was that was a bit unbelievable. And then there's, there's various quotes. So he's talking about, you know, it's, it's, a lot of it's very similar stuff to sort to what we heard when he was reacting to the Getting to Know the Network podcast, which came out a while ago, where he was implying that uh, Chris Powell was, you know, Chris Powell only got. Uh, was getting one point a game. Jose Riga got 1.5 points a game over obviously much fewer games. Uh, talks about all these so-called quality players he played. That, as, as we said at that time, like those players just weren't playing. I mean, Rez- Reza played a bit and uh, Astrid played a bit, but the rest of them weren't getting weren't getting gains under Riga. Mm. Um, there, there were other quotes. He said um, he's talking about talking about in, in terms of football ownership. He said, "I've done." He says, "I think I've done a reasonable job, but I'm also not planning." On uh, on doing this forever. There was another one where it was talking about those emails that that Jimmy Stone's podcast, Get Into the Network, discovered, where it seemed to be Roland through Thomas. If you look at the writing style, in my mind, Dryzen talking about um, how uh, how he, he said that our scouts knew them much better than the coach who was there. Talking about our own players, like our own players who'd already been here, the ones that they were given advice on, mm. um, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, apparently, he continued. If the coach could not understand that he was getting all these players uh, if the coach could not understand that he was getting help when he was getting all these players then he is not a clever person so he's calling Chris Powell now uh, not a clever person so obviously, uh, obviously the, the, the other side of this we need to remember is that uh, these are quotes that have been translated from someone so we, we haven't mm. verified them but I think we've got pretty much the gist of it I think it's Heather I think who, who was able to translate us she, must, she, she speaks Dutch so I mean what, what, what is your reaction to that I mean obviously it's playing with fire if you're going to go on uh, go on, on the Belgian TV and refer to Charlton fans as idiots, if, if that is a correct mm. translation. And you know, saying saying that Chris Powell's not a clever person when he's you know a very well respected uh, football manager. I mean, how, how do you react to that? For, for me, it's another it's another PR question, isn't it? I think um, if if that's what's really said and that translation's correct, it's what's worrying is it's nothing really that we haven't heard before. But at the same time, the fact that we've heard it before and now he's saying it again shouldn't cover up just how appalling it is 
for an owner to come out and say something like that for you know Chris Powell scouted those players for years and made sure that when he got those players in they blew away League One and won it so comfortably and you see the unity of that squad and I think Card put out a video today of the day that we won that league and what the the unity was like so to then come in and say oh we we knew those players far better than Powell did how on earth can you say that um to say the scouts knew him better and to say these other players that he brought in and Powell ignoring them was wrong well Powell gave those players a chance at Wigan amongst other games and, and look how we got on so it is like you say again it just it's that feeling again that we're at war with our owner and it's why would you come out and do it you know they're going to get translated you know they're going to get picked up in the English press and as I say it's nothing we haven't heard before but it's just as equally shocking and it's just it's just so frustrating to hear yet again that he just he just doesn't get it. Mm. It's a funny tweet I just seen from Hungry Ted on Twitter it says calling protesters stupid Roland doesn't actually make me think any of less of you because it's impossible for me to think less of you. <laughs> uh, so that's a funny. Yeah. How, how can you call someone stupid when you yourself have employed eight managers in three years, overseen a relegation, overseen a forty percent drop in season ticket sales? If you're the owner of a, of a business and you've seen that decline in your revenue, that decline in your customer base, that decline in the success of your business. The, disc, um, the sort of concerns amongst fans, the protests, all of that. None of that was here before he turned up. How can he then come out and call somebody else stupid when he's determined to press on and do all of this stuff? So it's just it's ri- just ridiculous. Mm. Well, there we go. So yeah, any feelings on that? I mean, obviously, it's, um, the one thing you have to think of is in, in terms of public relations, it's something that obviously Charlton are trying to deal with now. They're getting new PR people in here. Uh, Adrian Bevington's coming in, Tom Rubbishow, I think, is com- coming in from pitch. These, these people are coming in. They obviously need to worry about these things, but I guess that there's not a great deal that they can do if Roland, who is the owner, is going to go out and start speaking to, to Belgian uh, media. Now, no, Roland obviously thinks, he, he feels he feels like what he's, what he's apparently saying here. He feels he's doing a good job. He feels that he was in the right and the Charlton, Charlton fans and Chris Powell was in the wrong. But even even if that is the case, if you are trying to win back this Charlton support, maybe that's probably best just to let it lie and not say anything. I, th- I think that's the problem, is that I think some of us were kind of on another wave of positivity when Carl's come in. Um, and I think, obviously, he, he's, he owns the club, he can do what he wants to do, but it's it's sometimes you kind of think just leave it like things are kind of calming down a little bit at the minute and now it's almost like this has stirred everything up I, I mean there are people that are going to say well nothing's changed but I think that a few have kind of started to come around a little bit now Cole's come in um, and I think the problem is see, like for most people the damage is done and it doesn't matter what's said now. So whatever these new PR people come in and try and do and try and fix. I mean, I'm I'm speaking from personal experience. My manager, Lisa, she's working tirelessly to build up these community links again. She's going into the school. She's getting a lot... Like, we've got this new thing where we're giving donating presents to yeah. local kids that are not going to get anything. She's really trying so hard... And it's it's difficult because she's it's kind of you get you're batting against a wall now because people are saying, oh, you're only doing that because you want to win people back. You're only and it's always mm. like people are seeing it as an ulterior motive. This stuff has not come from Roland. This is individual departments saying we want to do this to get people back. We want to do that to get people back. 
we want to make it back into that family club that we've always been so proud of yeah um and the difficulty is now because we've got the face of roland people won't see all the other good stuff that is going on mm. now uh, uh, people will disagree with me and people will think that i'm wrong but i'm i work here on a match day and i do see people genuinely trying not i'm not saying the senior management team i'm saying yeah a lot of the staff are really trying to get that back and and now it's being seen as this is probably being undermined by these mm. by these comments. From well, it Roland, is, uh, completely. and the thing is that the people, like Sue says, the people that are trying to win this club back are the fans or the people who've been here for a long time. People like these PR people coming in. I'm sure they're really good at their job and stuff, but that's putting a plaster over some you know half a leg that's been chopped off. It's <laughs> it's nothing. They're not going to be able to do anything. People who put these stories out now, if they know they've come back from those PR people, no one's going to care. And the the problem is that Roland can't accept and won't admit that he mucked this club up. Uh, we weren't in a brilliant place under Powell at that point in that particular season, but he won't accept it. He's too stubborn to admit that he's mucked it up. And he has, in on any way you look at it, he has, but he, he won't admit it. I, uh, I do want to respond to that, though, Tom, because, and again, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not defending him at all. Please don't misinterpret what I'm about to say. But before he took over... We were probably about twelve hours away from mm. going out of business. Mm. Now well, I, I knew, I knew there was a lack of money. I mean, anyone who listens no, to, to Jimmy's No, I mean, podcast, I was so. that. I was working here. Mm. I was helping out with stuff, and I can remember one day getting a phone call from our cleaning company saying, "If you don't pay this bill now, we're coming down and we're taking." And people will John laugh Jackson. at this. They will <laughs> take all of the toilet rolls yeah. out of the whole ground that is how bad it got like now it sounds funny to say that yeah. but we were so be they was literally having to leave the bills mm. until we were getting like not call orders through but people literally threatening to come down and remove the stuff that they'd yeah. sold to us mm. um and I, I I think at that time there was no one else that was showing an interest in the club, mm. so it was that or not have a club. I um I completely agree with that, and I will defend Roland for for buying the club at that stage because, uh, and I think I've said it consistently on shows ever since he did buy the club. Like you say, he did save us by putting that money in. He saved us, but and once he's got it, it's then his right to do with whatever the hell he wants. But it's something that I'll defend for the rest of my life if I have to when you buy something like that why couldn't he have just left it as it was because we were doing alright mm. and you look back at that squad now like I say you look at that video of Carlisle today um, okay that it was Carlisle wasn't it the, yeah, the way it was day. One today, that yeah. was a great day but you look at some of the the home defeats here even when when we lost some of those games and we were struggling in the championship I went home absolutely gutted now we lose I don't even care I just go home and just think oh well there's another one yeah. and that that heart and soul is what's been taken out and like a, I completely agree with you Sue the fact that he bought it and saved us from going out of out of business is obviously a good thing but since then he, he's just this club's just gone from bad to worse and, and he won't admit it because he's coming out like you say three three and a half years on and still saying but I, I made the right decisions and the people that don't agree with me are stupid yeah. and, and I think as well it, it, there has I know people are like trying to like rally the FA and stuff because it, it's not just us that are in nah. this position and people people being able to buy football clubs now 
that I'm not saying that every every owner should have an emotional attachment to that football club, but it's like people can come in and buy a football club now without the understanding of what's got them to that point, what the history is, what the, the connection is with the fans. It's a business, and I get that, it is a business, but at the same time, this is our... Our lives. This is this is something that we've invested in emotionally, financially, in every way possible. It it's fans that got us back to the valley. I think, yes. and and I think I, I just would, in some ways, and I know this is not going to affect a lot, but when Carl Robertson talks about wanting to talk to the fans, I would love to sit down in a room with him mm. and just tell him, because I, I don't think that message is going to ever get across that. I mean, when Kerbs was manager, anyone knew that came in was shown round the ground. They were introduced to all the staff. They were they had to watch a DVD of the history of Charlton Athletic. Now people are coming in, and I, I think it's, we're lucky that we've got people like Solly and Jacko that will pass on those messages. But it's still going to be slightly disjointed because they weren't around yeah. when that was happening. <clears throat> Yeah, back in the day. Right, John, uh, talking about those <coughs> those quotes from Roland that surfaced today, says it's clear that Roland doesn't get it openly at war with fans and determined to undermine any positivity. I wish he'd just go now. Also, in fighting amongst the fans yesterday and calling out agendas doesn't help. We need to work together to get our club back. Oliver says, uh, never forget the hashtag top six budget. Which uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure we never will. Uh, Lewis says uh, KR has absolutely no chance of attempting any unity with the club and the fans when the uh, when Roland comes out with comments like those ones today. Marion really can't get my head around his strategy. If there's one uh, as as a businessman, it doesn't make any sense. Roland, time to go. Says Roland was also quoted saying football is less important to me now. Uh, we'll get out then. We don't want you here. Uh, the owner just continually shows contempt to a loyal fan base. Every time someone opens their mouth, the hole gets dug deep. And that's from Ray Bates. Right after this uh, this little break, we're going to come back. We want to. Uh, it's uh, Christmas time's coming up. We're going to talk about what uh, Santa Claus Jensen is going to bring you. And then, of course, we've got to look ahead to um, Saturday's game. Uh, sorry, Wednesday evening's game, the South London derby that we lose every time without fail against Millwork the Den. Back in 30 seconds. This is fed in, lovely touch. Goes around his player, chips across the box. Jackson! Oh, yes! What a goal by Johnny Jackson! Arriving late in the box, Holmes Dennis with a pinpoint cross, and the skippers give a Charlton the lead. Charlton Live. Hello? From the home of time. time. This is Maritime Radio. Greenwich. Oh! Incredible Charlton Live. Welcome back to Charlton Live. There, I'm going to wind Tom and Nath up with that. Either of them making sex noises all the time until until I get bored of that. Right. Um. Just before we talk about the um, uh, the Santa Claus Jensen stuff, I wanted to display. I saw a tweet today from the um, uh, Charlton Athletic uh, Community Trust of of Solly and Holmes going to the Upbeats Christmas party. Uh, we saw during the week the players went off to the the hospital and the hospice as they do uh, every year to to hand out gifts and that and what that sort of thing. Um. Obviously, every club does that, but it doesn't make any difference the fact that we, we do it, and it's something really to be proud of mm. to see the club going out into the community like that and the players um, you know, doing doing their bit like that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I I used to help out with the hospital visits and the, and the demelza visit, and I used to love it. Um, and I think 
I think what again like a lot a lot of um, people kind of go oh well yeah it's only a couple of hours out of their day they're, they're footballers they they should but you know what you're seeing you're seeing children in a really really bad way so it can't be easy like, to do either and I, I can remember going to Demelza one year with some of the boys and it, they chose they, de- they deliberately chose the older lads to go because emotionally, I mean, it's a great place to visit if if anyone is thinking of volunteering or anything. Is they try and make things as happy and and nice as it possibly can be. And we arrived and um, we got told that um, a child had just passed away. Yeah. And the but honest, these boys then they've got to go round and talk to these children like everything's okay and and some of them are dads and and you could see in their faces they just for that minute put themselves in that parent's position and i think a lot of people underestimate the the actual the emotional strain in going in their visits and and i they honestly they do such a good job when they're doing it they'll chat and they're sparky and they'll have a bit of a like a play and a laugh with the kids and get toys out and but when you come away, you can see just the look of sheer like emotion and emotionally yeah, draining completely. Because they can a lot of them can. The younger lads, I think, have a hard time dealing with it because they've probably not experienced anything like that before. And the older lads, it's like they're looking at it and thinking, "Thank God my child is not in that position mm. of having to spend Christmas in hospital or is not going to live past the age of 12. It's it's really sobering, but it they they do they do us proud every year they go they do us proud and I think it it can't be minimised in terms of how much that kind of affects them. Um, yeah, it's it's all part of like the the good PR and everything like that. But actually, that they do enjoy going. Um, because it's paying back to the community and actually if you can put a a smile on a kid's face who's having a really tough time having like cancer treatments like little kids walking around with their chemo plugged into them do you know what I mean and Mm. just to have a giggle with their fave their hero is is honestly it's you can't you can't sort of it's it's hard to put it into words yeah. how how sort of inspiring it is. Yeah, so that's great work by the uh, the players and the staff who uh, took part in visits to the the hospice and the hospital and also the the, the guys who went out to the uh, upbeats Christmas party as well as all part of the the good community work that the, the, the club uh, does right. Uh, Christmas time's coming. Santa Claus Jensen's got his sack ready. Um, <laughs> has he got a central midfielder in there? That's what I'm hoping for. I mean, what, um, he might be able to come out of retirement. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Uh, was, there was always a rumour that Santa Claus used to smoke when he was playing here. Did you ever yeah, see? yeah, yeah. He did. Yeah, like a chimney. Yeah. Uh, so there we go. So, but anyway, right. Let's get the Santa Claus music ready. Have Sa- we still got it. Oh yeah. Good. Right, Santa Claus. Please, Adam. Adam would like Ronan to sell. I can't hear one. the music. Can you look? get the headphones yeah. on? You've got to put headphones on. Uh, <laughs> um, Ray Bates says, there's only one present I want and don't worry about wrapping it, although I would like to be there to bid them farewell. Niall Brennan completely unrealistically asked for three points on Wednesday. Dave Lockwood said, I take Roland and his cronies gone as the perfect gift. Kevin Kraut says, Roland to sell. 
Marion said, I would echo this. Uh, John Charles White said, a decent squad, promotion to the championship and challenging for promotion to the Premier League. But there, isn't, uh, but there is much more chance of seeing flying pigs unless Curbs arrives dressed up as Santa with a red bag full of dosh. Knowing our luck, it would be forgeries. <laughs> uh, Marion said for him to sell. What else could there be? And Alex Stedman said for a new owner. So you guys, you can have anything you want from Santa Claus's sack. What, uh, what would you like? <laughs> oh, sorry. It's my <laughs> filthy mind. Um, oh my god! I mean, so, we, so let's talk about maybe transfer targets rather than the, the, the obvious that a lot of people have asked for as well. Yeah, but, yeah and you, you like Yan back? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, he's only got a couple of years left, any so let's just get him quick. <laughs> Give him another year. Oh god, it's really hard, isn't it? Mm. Um, can I come, Can you come back to me? Yeah, okay. Well, one Stevie G on the channel live forum says Santa Claus please please bring me three points over Millwall and I won't ask for anything else this year. If you ask for that one, uh, one Stevie G, I don't think you'd be able to ask for anything else this millennium. Yeah. But uh, to be honest, I'll take it. It's every 20 years, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> Daniel Farmer says three points at Millwall. Tell Tom to bring his running shoes. Merry Xmas to all of you. Thank you, Dan. And Merry Christmas to you. So you, uh, Santa Claus is about to ride off on his, on his Danish sleigh. Oh, is he? Yeah. So oh, no. Unless you run out of uh, time now. Yeah. Nothing? Nothing no. you want from Santa Claus? Club's perfect, just as it is. <laughs> right, let's have a let's have another quick break, and we'll come back. It's time to uh, to look ahead to Mill. We've got a cracking email uh, in the inbox. Uh, looking ahead to Mill, so we'll, we'll talk about that after this break. Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. Right, on Wednesday evening we look to end 21 years of hurt as we uh, we haven't won away to Millwall since 1995. Just uh, the, the 5th of December 1995 in the snow. So were you there? Yes, yeah? I oh, was. See, me and I've never seen us beat Millwall. I, 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 I take the FA Youth Cup penalty win over Millwall as, as, as something to grasp onto. That's the only time I've seen us even beat Millwall to anything. I, think, uh, I can remember my mum and her friend Paula going to a pre-season friendly at Millwall. Oh, uh, yeah, I think we, well, we won but, a pre-season there 4-1 yeah, when we were yeah. Premier League, but I'm not counting that. Um, but, yeah, it was there in the snow, in my ski suit. <laughs> Happy um, memories. Did you get out alive? Yeah, yeah, you know what? It was really weird, because we went by train, and there was a big group group of us, and I can remember going with um, Danny Smith, who, who runs Channel yeah. Life, and... Uh, we were getting a bit nervous as we were getting to London Bridge and then walking to the grounds was fine. I think in them days that it wasn't such a like um a hatred type rivalry, it was more banter. Um so it, we we'd all have a bit of a, a crack with each other, like walking mm. down to the ground and then leaving the ground, we were like just 
quietly happy <laughs> <laughs> and uh and they were just very subdued so it yeah it was it was a really strange evening hmm. um so you're one of probably there wow. weren't that there, it wasn't these were in the days where we didn't sell out no. that game we never no. used to sell out no. our events um and especially as it snowed so we was all like is the game in doubt anyway mm. um I can't actually remember how many were there but it, it was quite sort of spacious <laughs> so um, you're one of one of the very few Charlton fans who's actually ever seen us beat them within the last 50 years or so but um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though so, like, so, so, no, so we've, we've yeah. beaten Mill something like 11 times in our entire in history, history yeah. and two of those were the first season we played them in 1920 something so I mean our record against them is absolutely atrocious and this is a good email here from uh, Colin says uh, hi Louis and gangs there's just a few memories of Charlton versus Millwall matches I must be in a small minority of Charlton supporters that during my lifetime I've seen every victory against Millwall what makes that even stranger is that the last time I attended these matches were the two that took place in the season 95-96 the season we have done the double over Millwall my memories from the last victory away from home was the snow interrupted game on the 5th of December 1995 it was so cold that evening that Big Terry the very tall policeman loan, uh, loaned me his police leather gloves that night <laughs> one of the friends I was I was with had to drive back to Crawley that evening eventually arriving home at 4.30 in the morning due to the M25 being closed down that is how heavy the snow fell in total I have seen Charlton beat Millwall seven times the first Time, 6th of January 1968. Alan Campbell slotting the ball past Laurie Leslie at the height at the heights end of the valley. Second victory was in the Kent Cup game at the valley. One of the victories was at the Old Den. Also a victory at Upton Park with John Henry scoring. As I've said, I've seen seven Charlton victories at four different grounds in my lifetime. Also, 14 draws and 17 defeats. <laughs> What's the point of this letter? I will not be attending the game on Wednesday night and have not done in 20 years, so I expect my record still to be intact this time next week, i.e. having seen every Charlton victory in my lifetime. So, Colin, Aww. the whole... I mean, if, if, if you're the man who possesses the power like that, you're supposed to take one for the team. I mean, coming, Colin. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm tempted to stick him in midfield if, if, yeah. if, 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 that, if, if, we, if that's the only way we can get him into the team. I mean, look, we, we never... We never perform against Millwall. Uh, I'd, I honestly, the, the games here, we had the four-all game. That was the first time I ever saw us play them. Yeah, but they had, they had ten men for the majority of it, and we kept chucking away leads, including one in the last minute. You know, a couple of nil-nil draws at, at the Den are, the, are my best results there. But I've seen some awful games oh, against them: four-nil defeat, two-nil defeat here, a one-nil defeat here. Um, I, I, you, you look forward to it. You know, we're, we're all getting carried away on Friday night at this drinks. So we're t- talking about what we're going to do if and when we beat them. It's not going to happen. It no. will. <laughs> it, I'm, I'm telling Good you morning. now, we're going to win Wednesday. You're feeling confident, Sue? Yeah, I am yeah. feeling very confident. And are you going? Or... I am going yeah. to be there, okay. yeah. Good, good. Because um, it's one of them, and I, we, do we say the same about Palace? So each season, oh, I'm not going there this season. <laughs> I've done it. I've done it every, every time. I've always gone. I'm giving it a miss this year. And then it gets closer to the time, like tickets going on sale, and me and my friends always have the same discussion. Yeah, let's not go because we'll probably lose. And then we go, oh, yeah, but that might be the one that we win. Let's go. <laughs> so it it is it is literally that same conversation every time. Yeah. So we yeah we're still going, and um, but um yeah I'm feeling I know obviously I missed yesterday's game, <laughs> but I I joked last night that we were saving ourselves for Wednesday. 
That's what it looked like. I hope so, yeah. <laughs> Saving ourselves for the next 15 games if you're <laughs> yeah, watching yeah. based, on, based on that. Tom, you, Tom, you got a ticket for... I've got a ticket, yeah. yeah I'm, I am looking forward to it. And Wednesday during the day I'll be... Uh, I'm at work, but I'll be getting excited and ready for it. But I'm still not expecting mm-hmm. us to win. Yeah, I mean, you look at... You know all the all the emotion that around the game. There is a game of football to be played. You look at the changes mm. we expect. We we, we make what, what sort of things would you want to, to mix up? Well, I wondered whether because I think Carl himself said Jacko would play well on Tuesday night. I know yeah. maybe his hamstring was tight for the weekend, but you think someone with that kind of relationship with Charlton as a club is is likely to play some part on Wednesday, whether he mm. starts or not. I'm not sure. Um, obviously, you'd then want someone like Solly in there as well, but I doubt he'll be. I don't yeah. know if he'll be ready. As I say, the keeper will be an interesting one because if Rudd's fit, Phillips obviously didn't have his best game at the weekend. Uh, I wonder whether a Jose will start as well. I think McGuinness has to because even though nobody was brilliant yesterday, I think his work ethic is going to be key. I think they'll struggle um, with him as well because mm, yeah. of his strength. Yeah. Um, Addy, I don't know. He wasn't great at the weekend, so may- if we give him a rest and maybe bring Chickson in on the left... So I think there will be changes. Where they happen and how many, I'm not sure, but I think there will be. Um, and from speaking to Carl on Friday night, he but it doesn't. It's not a surprise really, but he knows how important this is to the fans. Mm. And we, I'm we, sure he'll be as desperate for a win as we all are. We saw that from Andrew Cross' comments, which we heard yeah. earlier on in the show, that they, he knew exactly how long it had been since mm. we won. And, and as per Terry's question, just the thing. I mean, if these players can be the ones to finally do it, you can, you can become a legend by scoring a, oh, a winning goal in a, in a derby game. Uh, so Lewis says, "My only time seeing us beat Millwall was that 4-1 friendly, but never in a competitive game." Uh, and uh, on Wednesday evening, it's going to be his 900th game in a row, <laughs> competitive game in a row, which, which is incredible yeah. and, and brilliant, but also points out that, therefore, we've played 900 games of football without meeting Millwall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not Yeah, good. John Charles White says, I fear the result will not be good. Does anyone remember the overhead goal that Ray Crawford scored for Charlton against Millwall? So I think I've seen a video of this. It's sort of an overhead on the turn volley that goes into the into the top corner against Will Millwall. Will we bone them? Uh, almost certainly not, yeah. Well, maybe... <laughs> What year? I don't know. Probably in the sixties, I think. Oh yeah, sixties, seventies. Yeah. So, uh, so none of us have seen that. Um, I mean, let's talk about Sebo. We've got three minutes left to go. I mean, that, that is incredible. Nine hundred games. He's we, a legend. It, isn't it, it? You'd always think that something would come up, but he obviously moves heaven and earth, and he's probably gone feeling unwell as well. And yeah, just a, a love for the club that will not be diminished. No, he's, I, I don't know. That just you've got to admire such dedication, and yeah. I mean, like I've had a few like people at work and stuff, and they go. Oh, you and your footballer hmm. but I'm like I haven't actually said because they don't know who Sebo is but like when you actually got someone that go up 900 games yeah. in a row that's just I couldn't do it it's unreal, not with Charlton it? yeah. <laughs> it's unreal. she supported Arsenal or Man United <laughs> I couldn't or something, get through 900 games without having a break <laughs> Yeah. Uh, right, this is our last. Uh, Tim Ruffle said the game's going to go badly. <laughs> that's, that's the confidence that we love to see uh, and, and come to expect from Charlton fans. That's how I feel. Because you just know, no matter how high your hopes are for the uh, for the Mill game, it never seems to to come to fruition. Is it right? This is uh, this is our last Sunday show before Christmas. Uh, we are back on Thursday evening. You're not around, are you, Tom? Unfortunately. So no. our big match preview for. Uh, the Boxing Day game, which is against uh, MK Dons, will be on Thursday. Of course, we'll be we, we looking back at the Millwall game. There, me and 
uh, Nathan and possibly Lewis, I think, is possibly going to win. We're also going to have a in the studio Christmas party. Nathan will still be gone from the night before. If yeah, yeah. I, I'll just be bringing in a few tins of beer with me and some mince pies. Uh, so join us on Thursday evening if you will. Uh, so I guess this is your, your your two your last chance to say Merry Christmas for this. Yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah, yeah, have a good one. Be safe. Be, be happy. Safe. Be safe and Live, laugh, and be happy. Yeah, <laughs> even if even if we don't beat Millwall, which uh, when we don't beat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So don't forget to join us back on. Uh, on uh, Thursday evening for that show uh, thank you Sue for coming in this evening thank you very much and uh, thank you Tom cheers Louis I've been Louis Mendes this has been Charlton Live like I so don't forget join us on Thursday evening when we look back at the Addicts' uh, surprise 4-0 victory at the Den we'll see you then Charlton Live